Hi, this is Dad Stories, and I'm your non-binary child, Eden Noodla. And today, it's actually Eden Stories. <laughs> Hi, Eden. I'm your parent, Tom Noodla, and this is a podcast where we share stories from our childhood. Yeah, today we're switching it up a little bit. Usually you go first, but today I wanted to share some stories from my childhood and do a little compare-contrast going the other direction. I'm excited. What have you brought for us today? So today we're going to be talking about one of my favorite winter activities that I started when I was very young. We're going to be talking about my snow forts. Snow forts. Mm -hmm. I have some memories. (laughs) I'm sure you do. When I was six or seven, so first grade, I built my first snow fort and came to me in a dream. No, I'm kidding. So in Michigan, we grew up up in Michigan. (laughs) And every year we'd always get at least one, but usually several big snowstorms. And in general, we're looking at like two to three feet on the ground for a while, as long as it's a good winter. And you were our family snowplow. And whenever it would snow, you would go out and uh, clean off the driveway and create these huge piles of snow on either side of the driveway. You know, um, sorry to interrupt. But Not at all. Do you know the history about those big piles of snow? No, I don't. When you were even younger and we lived in Virginia, our front yard had a little hill on it. On the rare snowstorms we had or snowfalls we had, I took all that snow and I piled it at the top of the hill right by the front door so that we could make a little saucer run. And you and I could go down the front yard in the saucer. So I actually built the habit back in those days when we were in Virginia. And then, of course, it carried to Michigan when we moved. But the pile was a whole lot bigger. That makes a lot of sense. And also thinking about it from a like, I was deep in childhood and already contemplating these big snow piles as potential tools for fun. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And boy, did I go at it. My first one was when I was seven, and this one was a very simple, it was more of a amphitheater-shaped snow fort. I could kind of sit cross-legged inside of it, but you could still see my whole body. And it was quite small, I was very small, but I had uh, caught, caught the bug. And every year following this year, from when I was seven until I was 17, I would make a fort and try to build it bigger and bigger each year. And so one year I figured I would bring out more and more tools, start using those gardening tools. Like I started with my hands and now I'm using gardening tools, going from gardening tools to bigger shovels. It was always a ton of fun because usually it would be very cold on the days that I would be building And the snow would not necessarily be the best packing snow, but by the time that you throw enough of it down on each other, that inside layer is very good packing snow. And so I could work all day, make a, I'd say my average size were like maybe four feet in all directions and you could get inside and fit a good person inside and it would be very warm. I mean, you know, relatively warm. It would still be very cold, but yeah. warmer than it was outside. 
I remember you used to spend hours out there. I couldn't figure out how you could stay warm for all that time. So this actually answers a mystery for me. Yeah, once you can get more inside, it's uh, not so bad. Although that being said, I also was incredibly diligent. This was an activity that I could pretty much shut out all outside agony to uh, direct my energy towards the singular purpose of creating my snow fort. The worst thing, though, is when you are like digging up and the snow gets down your neck, it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> and more than that, it's a pain in the neck. Pain in the neck! Ah, that's the joke! No, I missed it! <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for alley-ooping me on that one. Um, and so, this became something that culminated in my magnum opus, senior year. Me and I recruited some friends this time, built a multi-roomed snow fort. This one had a hallway, two doorways, and a huge internal room that was 10 feet by 10 feet by six foot. Well, probably not six feet, probably more like five feet, but still huge. So you could stand in it, but crouched over? Crouched over, yeah. Yeah, I was like Uh pretty close. I think it was probably more of like a crawling structure. I pulled out some carpeting, I took out a um, a light bulb out in there, and I took out a tiny, old, tiny VHS TV. And me, my, and three of my friends, two of which were six foot seven, all went out and we watched. I want to say Snow White because it seems more appropriate, but it also might have been Beauty and the Beast. Don't come for me. Um, <laughs> Frozen hadn't come out yet. Frozen right? hadn't come out yet. No, this was this was a uh, pre pre Frozen and a great time. I really felt like I had spent years <laughs> developing my craft, and here was my work of art. Here was what I had to show for it, and it was uh, well enjoyed. But all of my snow forts, um, they all had to come to an end. And they almost always invariably had to do with Bobby, my brother, or his friends, taking a, uh, a dive into my snow fort. And this one was the same. I think uh, one of Bobby's friends thought it was just a really big snow pile and then went and did a dive and then just crashed through the wall. jeez. <laughs> But the, Did it cave in? Oh on? yeah, oh yeah, instantly, instantly. But they felt so bad. It was beautiful, right? It's this. Oh my gosh, they worked so hard on this thing, and and I just ruined it. And also, everybody was old enough to not be like, ah, we're gonna ruin your sibling's stuff. And so they went and took the rest of the snow in the yard, which was not a whole lot because most of the snow had been, you know, used for the fort. And rolled up a big snowball, put it in, and then went back in and carved it out. And so it was saved that year until it finally finally melted but that's my that was that's my big snow fort story what would you what you think it's a mansion i think it's wonderful (laughs) (laughs) that story's a lot of fun i mean i remember you going out there and making things but i didn't really other than throwing the dirt the snow on it whenever it happened so you could make your fort i really didn't understand how much you were putting into it until the end when you came in and you wanted the extension cord (laughs) and and you had your plans with the party and the video player and the carpeting and i was like holy smoke this is 
huge, <laughs> you know? I was very impressed. I'll share some of my uh, lesser experiences in a few minutes, but no, the fact that you actually built a structure out of snow that stood up, spent a lot of time at it, spent some time inside, had great joy with it, was unique. I don't know of anybody else that ever did that, either in Virginia or in Michigan. So that's that was my sense, is that it was just a really cool thing to be doing. Do you have any sense on why you did it? I mean, what drove you to build these? Oh, well, that's a good question. I mean, it became a family yeah. tradition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I did it. I mean, I did it. Like, if anything, I just did it every year because that was that's what I did in the snow. Yeah, even in high school. Yeah, I mean, I started as a child. I mean, it was a lot of fun to do, and it was really fun to also have this place that I made to go. I think I really liked the idea of survival and like outdoor survival and had all these old survival books and I think I liked the idea of having this retreat from the elements from the harsh winters of Michigan. Uh, I mean I like the process too. I like going and digging out this place and it's a very like private place that I owned and made. Right right that's a good observation about the private place that you owned and made because in my experiences building forts that was the overall driving mm -hmm. you know a private place that i could call my own essentially so that might be legitimate when i talked about me making forts i think the reason i was so impressed with yours was that i did not have much success as a young fort builder <laughs> yeah i'm curious to hear more about uh, your fort experiences <laughs> well so i'll share a couple of anecdotes for some reason, when I was a kid, I was fascinated by uh, stories I read about people moving west and living out on the prairie and building sod homes. And so, a, you know, sod homes, essentially what they're doing is digging up chunks of grass and stacking it up to be walls all around it and then put some kind of roof on the top. And so I really wanted to build a fort using the, uh, these sod walls. The first one I built built it you know close to the swamp that was behind our house and I and a friend started digging up the sod and digging a hole and we didn't get too far down when the water table from the swamp filled our hole with <laughs> water so our sod wall was only a couple feet high but the puddle that it created was a foot down and we never got to use that sod wall mud pit fort but I didn't quit like you talked about, I kept going and tried to make another pit that we made up at the up in the woods at the cottage, which didn't have a you know a swamp by it. And I enlisted mm -hmm. some some people also to help me dig that sodwald fort. And my problem was is it was in the woods and there were roots everywhere, and it took us forever yeah. to cut through the roots. And we ended up quitting and giving. I gave up on my sodwald fort. <laughs> So time passed, and my magnum opus was a tree fort. Oh. Do you remember ever wanting to do a tree fort? Yes, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so my experience with a tree fort was not a good one. It started out very promising. A, a neighbor was tearing down a pole barn that they had, and a buddy of mine asked if we could have one of the doors uh, since they were going to throw them out. And they said, sure, you can have a door. And the door was like 10 foot by five foot across. I mean, it was pretty big. And he came over and, 
and he and I and another one of our neighbors, you know, we were talking about, oh man, this would be a great platform for a tree fort. I mean, it's, it's all there. It'd be huge. And we could put it up and then we'd put a structure on top of it. We could have sleepovers. It would be a, it would be a blast. So we started on this tree fort down at the bottom of the hill in the backyard, right close to the swamp. And we, uh, got some old two by sixes that our neighbor had. They were a little bit rotting, but they were good enough. And we strapped them all up on these trees and pounded them into the trees. And it was about eight foot high. And then we went to move the platform up on top of this foundation. And we realized it was too heavy for us to lift. Even with the three of us, we couldn't lift it up high enough to get it over that foundation. And we, we worked and worked at that to try to make that happen. And we were very disappointed, but uh, my friend, uh, who got the, the flooring, found some ropes, and we continued to struggle and work hard and fought for days to try to get that platform up on the up on the foundation, and we eventually did. But the problem was is we'd worked so hard at that and been so frustrated, and we had splinters and scratches all over ourselves and everything else that we absolutely <laughs> lost any enthusiasm at all for building that tree fort. <laughs> so that tree platform you know, stayed vacant. For a very long time, we never <laughs> even we never even built a ladder. <laughs> the best thing you could do was shinny up the side, like uh, like you see in those movies about people that go collect bananas and coconuts from coconut mm-hmm. trees. That was it for that fort. So literally, I really wanted to make forts as a kid. I can't claim I've ever successfully made a fort. Well, it sounds like you were working with uh, much more difficult materials and <laughs> in more challenging circum- environmental circumstances. I pretty much just had to deal with the cold and then like the somewhat structurally, the the occasionally structurally unsound nature of snow. Well, I think making a snow fort did have a lot of challenges. For instance, did your forts ever cave in? All the time. Mm -hmm. All the time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I mean, to be fair too, I also just never gave up, which has been a theme throughout my life of just... I don't know. This is what I'm doing. So I'm just going to keep doing it, I guess. Right, right. I haven't succeeded yet. So I'm just going to keep doing. Keep going at it and going mm-hmm. at it. Um, did you ever try to make a fort anyway else or any other time? Yeah, I, I made a couple of um, stick lean-tos out in, the, out in the woods. We also, we had one really successful one where, so up at the cottage, our forest has all of these dips and mounds due to the ways that the glaciers kind of carved out that area. And one year during the winter, we took a particularly low dip and covered it in long sticks and cool. then dug out all of the snow and then covered the sticks with snow and with leaves. And it created this little cave that was, if I was ever to be stuck out in the snow, would definitely recommend that as a quick and easy way to make a structure because it was, it didn't take a lot of effort. It certainly wasn't as difficult as um, the snow forts that I, I was building at home. That's very cool, though. That's mm-hmm. very clever. Yeah, I, I'm sure we didn't. I, I think it was like a here's how you can make a quick survival fort in the snow. And it was like, yeah, let's go do that. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Do you know, did any of your friends make forts or did you help anybody else ever make a fort? I have only one memory of that happening. But no, I don't. Uh, occasionally you would see, so you would see forts out and about um, as you were like driving around. But that wasn't off the top of my head. That is not what... I remember doing and like 
I think about this too. For the most part, my fort building was a solo affair. It was something that I did alone. Right. Until my until the my final giant fort, which I was helped out by a dear friend. Right. And and, and I think like too, for what it's worth, that was what made it the biggest. You know, teamwork. Yeah. Teamwork makes the dream work. Yeah. 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 Well, but there's the you know the design and all that is stuff that goes into it. So you know sometimes that's better done alone. And of course, because you've had all those previous years of experience that you built upon uh, to get to it, uh, probably all came into play for that last uh, ice mansion. As I recall, you did some research into ice fort kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I did some, I did a little bit of research on this beforehand because when we were growing up, I had a friend who told me that like the way that, the specific way that we were building it is called a Quincy, which is a Dene word, which is like Dene is the name for a large, the large family group of indigenous languages in Northern America. And you take the big pile of snow and then you take out the inside and then you have a simple snow structure. And there is a similar structure in Finland called a Lumitalo. I think I'm pronouncing that correctly and was delightful to me too because uh, we are Finnish. Our Finnish ancestry. <laughs> Partially Finnish. Right. So perhaps I, perhaps the reason that I was so enamored with this particular snow structure was because I was being called. No, I was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> it's in your blood. <laughs> it's in my blood. And yeah, whatever. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, people have been making, I mean, snow is a really great material. You can do a lot of things with it. And I mean, water in general is a miracle. I'm a big and of the stuff that it does let's do our best to keep it clean right small plug there you go <laughs> um do you remember growing up ever watching any tv shows or movies that had as a set a, a kid's fort i mean i feel like a lot of tv shows are kind of like constructed around the idea I think like Zabumafu was set just in a fort, tree fort or something. And then there's like a, maybe a big blue house or a big yellow house, but totally. I mean, I think about like pillow forts. Like, I feel like there are a lot of kid activities that are centered around creating small structures, pillow forts, tree houses. I'm dropping a blank on a big one. Where would you categorize the Barbie tent? Oh, Barbie tent. Totally. So context. For Christmas one year, y'all needed to get me something big because like Bobby had a bunch of gifts and like I didn't have the same number of gifts and you were like, <laughs> we need to get them something big. And so you went and got me a Barbie tent, which if I remember correctly, did satisfy my need for big. <laughs> yeah, you. I, I remember you being very happy about that, but I don't know if it, if it lasted. <laughs> Well, we used every aspect of that tent for years because even after the plastic covering was torn apart, we used the PVC pipes to create a parade float for the scout troop. Oh, that's right. That's right. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. And I, I have fun memories of trying to do a sleepover in the tent after Naomi and I were a little bit too big. My best friend growing up and I were a little bit too big. And, and and having to um, eject out and be like, or maybe being more pushed out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but that one for sure. One year we, I think we got a new fridge and I remember like 
painting the insides and outsides and that was like a really fun fort i remember like bobby and i took the basement and like divided it in half and being like this is your side and this is my side and it was a big fight over whose side would be the fort side and if i remember correctly i let him out the fort side but then i had the stair side and was like this is my side you can't go to the bathroom (laughs) you can't cross over to the stairs (laughs) Lose, lose. You don't get the Ford. He doesn't get to go to the bathroom. <laughs> uh, oh, kids, 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 kids. Oh, geez, yeah. Well, I wanted to go back and talk about movies and TV shows for a minute because mm-hmm. one of the inspirations for my fort building desires, uh, probably the greatest inspiration for me, was this tree fort that was part of the Disney movie Swiss Family Robinson. Yeah, totally. Did you see that movie? Do you remember that tree house? If I did, it was because it was like a, let's go watch this movie tonight. But I certainly know it from cultural lore. Right. I think that that was a big trigger for me. So in addition to the desire for privacy and building something on my own, I just thought it was really cool to see all those gadgets and things that they'd created and put in their tree fort including the their pull-up ladder and their little elevator things and stuff like that. And uh, mm-hmm. I never was able to get that far, of course, but that was an inspiration for me when I was a kid and, and my desire to build really cool forts. Yeah. Now, I, I feel like we've touched on privacy a bit, and I have some like knowledge around this, but I know certainly from experience that I feel like the experience of having a private space for a child, an uh, experience of being able to have the, these like moments and space for yourself to do that self-discovery is so important. And I think something that's different from the way that you grew up and how I grew up is that kids now, and my experience of kids now, is that parents have a lot more tools to constantly be watching us. I think about the internet and about like these different child protection um, software and about like different ways of watching over a phone. And I'm, I'm sympathetic to parents now because, you know, the internet is terrifying. But I also, you know, hear a lot of kids being complaining a lot about their parents really snooping in on their internet life and having things that they were supposed to be between them and their peer group all of a sudden being public for their or having their parents coming in and invading that privacy. Oh, I see. I was wondering how you were going to connect that up, but it's the privacy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, like online privacy, I think about our, our like digital bodies versus our physical bodies and how oftentimes we don't necessarily have the same level of respect for our internet present selves as our um, physically present selves. But even so, like I, there are a lot of tools to track the physical movements of kids. I think about like, you know, those the GPS trackers and about the same way that we don't let kids travel out into the world on their own um, anymore or really giving them space to do that. And I can't speak for all children's experience, but I feel like we've talked about it a couple times of you going and getting into shenanigans and me being on reflection of like, not only did I not do that, but I can't even imagine how I would attempt to do that as a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I think that's a huge difference between our upbringings. The whole discussion on physical digital self, I mean, we didn't have the internet. 
<laughs> so we only had physical privacy. <laughs> but that's uh, that's an interesting compare and contrast. It sounds like another compare and contrast, though, is that we did get some inspiration from TV and movies when it came to the ideas and plans or whatever to build a fort, would you say? I'd love to say yes, and I, I can't with confidence say no. I feel like I was really inspired by books on survival. And also, like, I was really into... um really into stories like the Donner Party and things like like the Oregon Trail and these things that people had been doing historically that were were required them to survive. Okay. Okay. Which you talked about in the Sodford of like reading Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. So I mean I guess I maybe less TV cuz what sort of TV? I mean when I was no, that no, age I, think... I was yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. I'm with mm-hmm. you. Um, more on the books and maybe less on the visual media. I also think that you and mom have uh, similar thoughts around this survival and preparing for the apocalypse, maybe mindset or whatever. <laughs> so, you know, there's, there's, so we don't all have to be alike or different, but I mm-hmm. think that um, is a very interesting point. I, speaking of mom, mm-hmm. But before I before I finish that off, I wanted to say, is there anything else we wanted to talk about on this topic? Well, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about mom wanting to do survival stuff, because I wouldn't necessarily identify that as part of her personality, but I just might not know. Yeah, well, I'll give you some references. Remember when we had the BB gun target practice up at the cottage mm-hmm. and we did the zombie shooting and mom was always the best? <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> and then... She'd always say, well, I'm doing this to protect my babies. I mean, it was slightly unjust, but, you know, mom always had water in the basement, Mm, food mm -hmm. in the basement, you know, all that other stuff. So that's that's kind of what I'm thinking about. And I'm certain some of that got reflected down to you and Bobby. You know, she wanted to be ready for the worst. But what I was going to say is, speaking of mom, our next episode, we're going to have a guest. Oh, is it mom? And it's going to be mom. (laughs) And. With the passing of winter, I thought maybe next week we would have a conversation about sledding memories. Oh, uh-huh. I have a couple of those. Yeah, yeah. And mom does too, it turns out. So she is busy putting together her thoughts and her story or two that we can share for next week's episode. <laughs> that sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun. <laughs> I hope it is. I hope it is. I think it will be. She's taking it very seriously, though, so it should be it should be pretty good. She even asked her parents oh. for feedback on some of the memories to verify it. So I think we'll have a lot of fun with that conversation. I'm going to add another generation to our multi-generational podcast. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. All right. That sounds really good. Great. All right. I had a lot of fun again. Me too. I love you, Dad. Talk to you next week. I love you too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.